You're a ball player and you've been around. You've been a part of seven major league organizations and you got some time in the big leagues a few years back as well. And that one is drilled to left center field. That is well struck. Jamie Romack, his first big league hit, has driven in two runs. He's standing at second base with a double. Since then, you've been in Japan, and now for the last four years, South Korea. You love playing there, and you were looking forward to your wife and two sons, including a newborn, join you there this season until COVID got in the way. But baseball is what you do. So you went and they stayed. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. That one's yes. hammered by Romack. Look out! Jamie Romack puts a charge into one. Well, I'll tell you what did crash, Dan, was that ball in the seats and a great extension right there by Jamie Womack. Jamie Romack is a 34-year-old first baseman from London, Ontario. He was originally drafted in the fourth round by Atlanta back in 2003, and after 11 years in the minors, made it to the big leagues in 2014 with the Dodgers and 2015 with the Diamondbacks. From there, it was on to Japan for a year, and now for the last four seasons, Romack has played for the SK Wyverns, where he is second on his team in both home runs and RBIs this season. Unfortunately, COVID has separated Jamie from his family, as his wife and kids are back in Canada, half a world away. Fresh off the field after a game with Hanwa as we speak, happy to say hello to Jamie Romack. Jamie, how'd you guys do tonight? We won. It was a great night. I actually hit a home run, so things were good. And, nice. and it, you know, when we win a game, everybody's happy. So tonight was a good night, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Nice. Uh, glad to hear that, and thank you for joining me. I, I've been trying to put myself in your shoes as we lead up to this interview, trying to relate to what you've gone through. And there, you know, there are lots of wonderful things, and there are some difficult things as well. Can you take us back to February? So SK, your team, they come over to the U.S. to train, which I didn't know was as common as it is. And you go down to the U.S. Your wife is, say, eight months pregnant at the time, and now COVID is starting to become a thing. Can you take me back to that time and just tell me like what you and your family were going through at that time? Sure. So we go down and we use the old Dodgers complex in Vero Beach. Um, it's now the Jackie Robinson baseball complex. And I actually left the last week of January and my wife was due at the end of February. So we spent about three weeks there in Vero Beach before we shifted over to Arizona. So she was due like right in that area where we could be on route to Arizona. And it was getting towards the end of our time in Florida where I started bringing my phone with me every day. I was just basically on call and uh, we were going to wait considering it was only a two hour flight. We were just going to wait for her to say, hey, I'm in labor and I was going to rush back and, and try to get there on time. It turned out that she went past due. We were over in Arizona and it was getting to the point where she was going to be induced and she was so past due and I just had a bad feeling about it. And I said, it's a little bit more difficult from Arizona to get back to, to London. So I just up and left the one day and the team was totally okay with it. And thank God that I did because I walked in the house, would have been midnight, put my head down on the pillow for a couple hours and she came and got me and said, hey, it's time to go. And that's how it worked out for us. So fortunately, I was home for the birth and all that. And I got to spend the next 10 days with the family. But uh, that's beginning of March now. I haven't seen him since. So your little boy's name is Pierce, correct? Yep. 
yep. Pierce, and, and you've got an older boy, a three-year-old son named Nash, Pierce's big brother. Yep, yep. He's a big brother. Big brother. So you leave London, and at that point, are you going back to Arizona, or at that point, is it time to go to Korea and start the season? Well, in between all of that, so the virus is kind of shutting the world down, right? And travel is becoming harder and, and harder. And in the midst of all of that, my work visa has not been processed. The team was going to take my passport when we were in Arizona, make a day trip over to LA, go to the consulate, get the work visa processed. So I'm stuck in Canada and I don't have the documentation to get over to Korea. So to answer your question, I have to get over to Korea to meet the team at this point. And you can see, as I said, that the world is starting to kind of shut down. The Korean consulate in Toronto takes two weeks, 14 business days to process a visa. The one in LA takes seven days. So this is the day after Pierce's birth. The team basically says, you need to get on a plane and come to LA and start this visa process and turn around and go home. So I got in my car three o'clock in the morning, dr drove to Pearson, got on the first flight to LA, flew into LA, went direct to the consulate, processed the visa, met up with an old teammate for lunch, picked up the visa later that day and got on the next flight back to Toronto and was back in London at like three o'clock in the morning. And then uh, a couple days later over to Korea. And thank goodness I did that when I did it because they shut down the flights like literally the next day. So I, I got in before the quarantine situation. So I got over to Korea and you have to keep in mind at that time, it was middle of March. And, and at that time we were set to still start the season on March 28th. So I had to plan as if right. I needed to be ready for that time. And then eventually, you know, we kept getting pushed back and eventually it was May 5th. I hope people, you know, really understand what you went through. And this is why I don't have any patience for people who say, well, they're professional ball players, just go do your job. Or, you know, you've got, you saw Pierce the day he was born. And then for a couple more days when you came back to London, but you've only seen him for about three days total since he was born back at the end of February is what you're saying. I think it was closer to a week, probably. A week, Let's okay. call it a week. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. As you said, there's a lot of people that, and listen, like everyone has their story, especially these days with what's going on. But from what you see on the field to what you see off the field, you know, we're real human beings. We have issues and personal stuff. And, and obviously the grind of earlier in the career, I did four years in winter ball after AAA seasons and being away from home and all that. So that element's not new to me, but being separated from your, your young family is, and, and that's been an enormous challenge. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you've got to make a living, right? And, and you're a baseball player. This is what you do. But was there ever even a moment of consideration where I, I can't do this? I'll figure out some other way to make money this year because I need to be home with my family? Or were you and your wife always together and on the same page that you had to go to Korea? We talked about it and we kind of looked at each other at that time. And at that time earlier in this year, it was basically this virus was somewhat contained to Asia. And it was kind of foreign to us in North America. And, and, you know, the amount of kind of weird looks and weird questions I got from people back home saying, like, do you really think it's a good idea to go over there? And, you know, we just agreed, like, what choice do you have? You know, this is what I do. Um, I have a contractual obligation, created a great job in containing and handling the virus. I felt really safe coming over. And at that time, I assumed I was going to see my family. We thought that they would follow 
as soon as we could get a passport for Pierce and get his his three month shots. Um, I hope to have seen them by May or or maybe June. Unfortunately, the passport situation didn't work out. Like he just recently got his passport, and with the virus, our doctor just wasn't comfortable signing off on them traveling. If anything were to happen, it wasn't the right thing to do for them, and and so it's you know unfortunate all the way around. But once we established that they weren't going to be able to come, there's been some difficult times for me. And you're just kind of, uh, if I can just make it a little bit longer and then we'll reevaluate and all that. But it's been an enormous emotional challenge for sure. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I'm used to being on the road for a couple of weeks at a time, you know, and when my children were young. And I can't imagine what you're going through. I guess one advantage that you've got is you've got things like FaceTime or whatever you use. I know it's not the mm-hmm. same. But thank goodness you can at least see his face and talk to your wife face to face, as it were, every day. Of course. Yep. That's uh, an everyday thing. Uh, we make sure to, to do that and chat with Nash and Pierce's smile lights up every time he hears my voice. So that <laughs> makes great. me feel good. And you know what? They're young. They're not going to remember this. Uh, my wife has been incredible. It's just been her taking care of those boys. And, you know, he's teething and she has sleepless nights. And, you know, we get as much help as we can from family around us. But again, with what's going on with the virus, like there's just been the quarantine situation and not a lot of outside exposure. And, but as much as, you know, they won't remember it, I I do, you know, so it definitely stings. With Nash being three years old now and with more exposure for the KBO, for Korean baseball, you know, as you know, as you and I have talked about, games have been on ESPN and and, uh, they've been carried in Canada as well. Is Nash old enough to have seen you on, because the games are in the morning here, is Nash old enough to wake up in the morning, see daddy on TV and, and kind of understand the whole situation? He does. So he has, uh, like he's grown up in Korea and under ordinary circumstances, they're here and they're with me and he knows my teammates. So my wife will send me videos of, of Nash cheering for Chejong or different guys. And um, so I show my teammates that and they love that stuff. He was super super popular here like the fans just loved him he was like a mascot like when he came to the stadium it was crazy it was almost too much like they just swarmed him so he would always come in the clubhouse and run around the field and you know as a professional athlete like it doesn't get any better than that to get to bring your kids out on the field and this situation is so regrettable in that sense that you know he's missing out obviously is a little bit older and even more aware now on that precious time here at the stadium. Tell me how life is uh, for you in Korea, the family situation aside, you know, one of the things that was great about going to Korea, when you went to Korea, the situation was probably further along than it definitely was in Canada and the United States. And they did a really good job containing it. I know there's been a bit of a spike recently, but in terms of the protocols going to the ballpark, going out to get groceries, going to get toiletries, going to shopping. Like, what is life like for you? How normal is it right now in Korea? Right now, I wear a mask really everywhere I go with the spike. We are supposed to wear our masks for sure once we enter the stadium and they take our temperatures there. But guys have been a little bit loose with that and with the spike. And spike is a relative term because, you know, 200 cases in a country of, you know, 50 plus million is not really you know what a lot of the other countries are going through but they've just said like hey make sure you're wearing your mask in and they take our temperatures but that's really it and when i first got here nothing was shut down but everything was really really quiet the streets were empty 
they did stop schools, but there were some private schools that were still going through that. But as of right now, like nothing. So, you know, I go grocery shopping, I go out for a drink, I go for dinner, no issues, nothing out of the ordinary. Probably 50% of people don't wear masks anyways. Um, So when people ask those things and, and I hear about from my buddies back home about what's going on in major league baseball and, and the test, I've never once been tested. Not one time. No one has. Yeah. Korea had a lot of cases at the beginning, but it was so contained to one area that it kind of maybe skewed the numbers. It just wasn't as present in a lot of the cities as, as it's kind of gotten in other places. And there's the tracing thing here too. So I can jump on a website and see people who've been in my area, who've had it, where they've been, that sort of stuff. So I feel fairly comfortable. And, um, you know, we've been really fortunate, a 10 team league, all the players, all the staff, everyone that goes into the game day stuff, not one person has got it so that we've been able to keep the league going. That's amazing. Are you distancing at all in the ballpark? Like, have they done anything different in the clubhouse, the weight room, the batting cage, or is it just business as usual? I laugh about that because, like, these guys share waters, like a water bottle. I'll open the fridge in the dugout, (laughs) and there'll be, like, a half-drinking water bottle, and then I'll just watch another guy come over and just finish the rest of it. And, you know, I don't know how much you know about how Koreans eat, but it's very communal style. So we all share the same side dishes. So, you know, my chopsticks are going in the kimchi dish with my teammates and, and all that. So in terms of distancing, it would just be, there'd be no purpose for it because we're all too close and sharing everything anyways. There are a limited number of fans in the ballpark now, aren't there? So unfortunately they, since you know, we've had multiple days straight of 200 plus cases. They've now taken fans back out of the ballpark. So we started with 10% capacity. And then last week we were at 25% capacity. And the way they were spreading it out, it actually gave you a feel like there was a lot more people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this little kind of blip has happened. And so they've taken all the fans back out now. I think all but one stadium has said for the next two weeks, they're going to go no fans. Okay. So that's just kind of what you're dealing with. You unfortunately used to it. You know, we've, we played with empty stadiums for a a large part of the season. So it sucks the life out of you, but we're playing baseball. Yeah, exactly. It's better than no baseball. And, And normally games in Korea are a real festive affair, right? There's constant noise. So it must be an even bigger adjustment for players over there than it is for players in the major leagues. It is. It's amazing. It, it really is. It, it's what makes this league, you know, 25, 30,000 people with a concert going on and, and everyone's cheer songs and the pyrotechnics and fireworks and just everything that goes into it. It's a blast. It can be electric at times. And I mean, you train yourself to manage pressure and stress in those sorts of environments. And then all of a sudden you roll out on a, a Tuesday night and the stadium is completely empty and I can hear all the ridiculous things. The other foreign players are yelling at me from the other dugout. And <laughs> like, it, it's just, it's so different. Yeah. It's not as fun. That's for sure. But you make the most of it. Yeah. So the season started late. Does that mean the season is going to end late as well? It does. Yeah. We're, we're going full schedule in a compressed period of time. There's no all-star break. There's no really any break at all. We, we traditionally have every Mondays off during the season, but they're using those days to make up 
rainout games and we just went through monsoon season and there has been a ton of rainouts. So we've lost a lot of Monday off days. We're doing double headers. They're just jamming it all in as quickly as possible. So they don't want to play a playoff game after the beginning of December. I know this sounds crazy. Wow. So for us, you know, we're certainly on the outside looking in of playoffs. If we weren't to make playoffs, I would be home at the beginning of November, first couple of days of November, I would say. But for those teams, you know, if you go through a full championship season, yeah, it, it might be, you know, first couple of days of December before it's over for them. Are you planning on going back next year, having another year in Korea, hopefully taking Nash and your family, everybody back with you? Is that in the plans right now? I'm a day-by-day guy. I know this, the emotional toll it's taken on us. It's hard to imagine going through this process again, even if they were able to come and join me. It's just been really, really tough. So we're not there yet. That'll be a discussion, I think, for the end of the year. And and that's a mutual thing too, right? I have to perform to a level that is worthy of a new contract. So I think that's we'll just cross that bridge when we get there. I'm sure you've imagined this a thousand times. So you you land in Toronto and you got a two hour drive. Will they be at the airport in Toronto? Do you take a like a car service to LA? Is family picking you up? What happens when you land in Canada before you go see them again? Well, I usually connect and just jump on one of those little planes into London, twenty oh, okay. minute flight into London. Yeah, we talked about that, and with Pierce, I don't know if the exposure in the airports is a good idea, and then. Further to that, I'm going to be bringing back so much luggage that I don't know with two kids in the back seat. I don't even know if that would work. I, I think it's I'm going to have to get a car service to just at least take me home. That might be the best moment of my life when I walk in the front door and we're all together again. I, I just can't wait. It's something that it's nice to think about and talk about, but I can't. I'm still two and a half months you know, away from that. So it's a long ways off, but it really will be amazing. Yeah, I imagine it will be the greatest moment in your life. And I'm sure every parent who is listening to this interview, their heart is aching for you and they're counting the days until you can get home. And, and I'm sure they have newfound respect for just the fact that you're able to go to work and, and, and do your job with your family half a world away. So, uh, well, I, I'm glad we chatted and I hope the time goes quickly. And I know you wish your team would be doing better, but the fact that they're not get you home earlier. So that's something too. Um, so, uh, I hope you have a good rest of the season and send me a text after the family reunion. I'd love to hear how it went. And, and I hope you get to spend every minute at home over the winter time, getting to know your son a little bit better and getting to spend time with your family. I will for sure. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate that. Well, as you can hear, there's a lot going on for Jamie Romack, and I don't know that we could get a better example of how much real life there is, even for a professional ball player, than Jamie Romack's story to have seen his newborn son for just a few days and then to leave for Korea, expecting them to eventually be able to join him, and then finding out because of coronavirus and passport issues and health issues that they couldn't. So he is half a world away playing baseball and not seeing his family for up to six months. He's a guy worth keeping track of. He's a guy worth Googling, and he's a guy worth thinking about every now and again. And I, for one, am looking forward to hearing that he's back in Canada at the end of the season and reunited with his family. As always, thanks for listening. A Swing and a Belt is produced by Christian Ryan. I'm Dan Schulman, and we'll see you again next time.